Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Smart Talks. I'm your host Clarin Martis and today we have a special guest among us. Joanne Saldana, she's a second year PhD student in genetics at Stony Brook University in New York. Hello Joanne, welcome to the show. Hi Clarin, thanks for having me. Today we are going to talk about imposter syndrome. Joanne, can you tell us something about imposter syndrome? I can tell you a lot about imposter syndrome. What sure. exactly do you want to know? What exactly is imposter syndrome? So, for especially someone who has not heard of this before. Okay, so um imposter syndrome, like in the name, is a syndrome in which a person who the, the textbook definition is a person who is well established, but it can really happen to anyone at any career stage. Um so they'll throw that definition out of the window. Um it's someone who just feels like they don't belong where they are either because they are in a really highly competitive environment or something that they were working towards their whole life and now they're they're actually in the moment it feels surreal so and, and you don't have the capacity to like process everything that's around you so you feel like you don't belong or you feel like you know you're going to be called out as an imposter at some point so yeah if you've played the game among us you'll be able to really tell like the imposter is just pretty much everyone right like around you if you're in a competitive environment like everyone is having that kind of thought so it really depends from person to person what they define in imposter syndrome as um but yeah it's just the feeling of not belonging or be- feeling like you belong but feeling like someone's going to call you out as someone who doesn't belong that's a good way of putting it So it does seem like you're very familiar with this and that's why we have you here. Uh do you personally experience it or like what how is it for you? Uh yeah, so the the answer to that is yes. Um I am a grad student, a second year PhD student and um now that I think about it in hindsight, I think I developed imposter syndrome somewhere in my second year of university. Um it, it when I was in my undergrad, I didn't really you know have a name for what i was feeling and i didn't know imposter syndrome was a thing but now that i look back on it yeah that it it was definitely something that i was going through um and i mean i wish i could say i was the only person that is dealing with imposter syndrome right but it's pretty much everyone around you especially if you're in a competitive environment so something like grad school or med school or you know for all the engineers living out uh, listening out there in india especially where the stakes are so high and the pressure is so high you're bound to feel at some point like you know if you mess up even in the smallest way someone's going to call you out on it um so like to me personally what does it feel like is the question mm-hmm. um like picture a scenario where and i'm going to try to pitch a very like engineering thing for all like the demographic mostly um think of like you're building a robot right and you have this great concept in mind and you've gotten all your um parts like all the moving parts fit well you know it's going to be amazing you know it's going to be one of those things that gets you in the new york times like times like coffee bot but on some level you are questioning every piece of design you're questioning about you're questioning is it feasible is it going to be you know affordable to build if we build it 
are we going to win awards for it? If we win awards for it, are we going to sell? If if we sell, are consumers going to want us to do like a second thing? Am I able to do these things? Like, so you're going to have, like at some point, you're going to reach all these endless stream, uh, this endless stream of insecurities, basically. And they kind of manifest as voices in your head. And I'm not talking about like schizophrenic voices. I'm talking about like, Think the classic movie Angel and Devil on your shoulder where one part of your brain is telling you, no, I'm capable, I did everything I could, I've, you know, covered all my bases, everything's working right. And then the other part that's like self-sabotaging, that's like, no, you missed this one thing and now this whole thing is going to short circuit. So that's what imposter syndrome is. It's kind of like this inner sabotaging voice and it really is how, it comes down to how you deal with it because trust me when I say everybody has it, at least in a competitive environment. But I feel like even in less competitive environments, you, people have some level of it. Because it's a, it's almost like the voice of an inner drive. And uh, someone once told me, and I don't know how true this is, but if you're in a very stressful environment and you don't have imposter syndrome, you're a psychopath, a sociopath. Which, I mean... I, I, I'm not a psychologist, so I, I can't make those claims. But yeah, if, if a person tells you they don't have imposter syndrome and they're in one of those environments, they're either lying to you or they're, you know, for most probably lying to themselves. But or they're some kind of like narcissist. So which you find a lot of them in academia. It's filled with narcissists. So um, it's it's likely. But um it's it's a very, very common feeling, and I cannot stress that more. But it's really how people deal with it that makes an issue. So to some people like me, it's an inner voice, but, you know, I, I try my best not to let it affect my work. And that's mostly controlled by, like, a lot of external motivation that I'll talk about at some point, um, hopefully. But it's also a lot of inner motivation, right? It's a lot of, like, no, I, I, I covered my bases, like, you know, I can only give my 100%. That's what I did. And, you know, if my 100% wasn't good enough, well, maybe someone can tell me how to give that 101, right? So for me personally, it's a lot of inner motivation and a lot of external motivation. But there are some people that don't have that. And in those cases, it can become crippling to a point where you're not able to function. And unfortunately, a lot of people drop out of academia and drop out of like, um, engineering and like, highly competitive environments but at the end of the day like if you're gonna strike a balance between mental health and like your career you have to prioritize one or the other because you can't be in a very successful career if your mental health is not great and imposter syndrome does stem from a lot of mental health issues so like anxiety and depression it has been shown and I can't I can't you know quote statistics or anything for you but it has been shown that people who have clinical anxiety or people who have clinical depression are more likely to suffer from more crippling imposter syndrome because it is pretty much the same symptoms. It's anxiety, it's depression, it's self-doubt, it's it's all of those things, but it's more amplified. And everyone around you is dealing with it, but it's pretending like they're not dealing with it. So it makes you feel like an even bigger imposter for having imposter syndrome. And it's a cycle of like, oh my God, I don't belong. Mm -hmm. So... It's, I, I cannot stress this more. Everyone around you in an engineering college has some level of imposter syndrome. 
And if they tell you they don't, just in your head say, yeah, okay, they do. They do. And somehow, I'm the kind of person where, like, if I know other people around me have the same thing, I feel better. Like, I don't feel good that, like, other people are also dealing with these challenges. But I just like knowing that I'm not alone. So if that's any consolation to you, yeah, everyone has it. And, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing that you need treatment for. It's just something that you can overcome. Like, no matter how severe your imposter syndrome is, you can definitely overcome it. And I have some uh, some tips that I've used that hopefully would be helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. So, well, that was very elaborate. Um, some of the things that you touched on to already, uh, you said imposter syndrome is very common and most people in competitive environments have. But you also mentioned that a lot of people themselves wouldn't know this. Like, mm-hmm. um, how would... Like, if this is the first time I'm hearing about it, how would I figure out if I have imposter syndrome or not? Like, how do I do my self-check? Yeah. Um, interesting question, because like I said, I, I, I'm pretty sure now in hindsight that I had it during undergrad. Mm-hmm. But when I was in undergrad, I didn't know I had it, right? I think the point at which I realized that I'm... I have imposter syndrome or at least I started looking up what I was feeling was when I was applying to grad school and I can only speak from my experience so like everyone's experience is going to be different um for me it was actually reading the symptoms online so there, there was this site called grad cafe where I was seeing a lot of questions about like what if my application was stuck behind someone who was actually supposed to be accepted and because it was a mistake and it was too late, like they had to accept me. And believe it or not, that was a cross that that was a thought that had crossed my mind. That is a thought that still crosses my mind. And you know, when I I read it online, I was I felt kind of like violated in a way because I was like, how dare someone take this deepest thought of mine that is clearly an insecurity, something that I was ashamed to ever say out loud, and put it online, right? Like it's it's. It's humiliating that, you know, when you've applied to a grad program with the intention of getting in, that you are having those thoughts that you only got accepted because your application was stuck behind the application of someone who was more deserving than you. So that's the first thing, right? It's it's trying to identify what you're feeling because the thing with imposter syndrome is, like I said, the symptoms are very similar to anxiety and depression. So you have to be able to delineate what is anxiety and what is imposter syndrome? Because anxiety is something that's clinical, right? You can treat it. There are there are medications for it. You can actually control it. Imposter syndrome, it's not an actual disease. It's a condition, like it's a syndrome, but it's not something that is on its own treatable, right? There are always underlying issues. So you have to ask yourself when you're having all these crippling thoughts, like, and I hope it's not crippling, but all these negative thoughts, you have to ask yourself, is it, you know, self-doubt or is it irrational, right? Because if it's something like, is my application stuck behind the thing of someone else? That's self-doubt. You're doubting your ability to get in. Anxiety in that case would be something like, what if I don't get in? What if I, I have to like switch my career plan completely because I don't get in? Like that is anxiety, so you have to delineate what is anxiety and what is not anxiety. Same thing with depression. And 
with Indian parents, like no offense, my parents are super supportive, but even in an environment in in an environment where my parents didn't put a lot of stress on me, I felt like there was some kind of like almost moral obligation for me to thrive, right? Like failure wasn't an option, and I'm not saying that because like my parents were like not accepting of failure. Like my, I've learned a lot from my parents about like you know being down and getting back up. But as an Indian child, and I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this are Indian and resonate with it in some way, you know, when you get a C on your report card and you're a straight-A student, that feels like the worst thing that could have ever happened in your life, right? And so growing up in that atmosphere, growing up with that, like, frame of mind that, you know, there are failures and there are people who succeed, it just puts you in this, like, state of mind that you are taught to doubt yourself and so that I feel like is one more thing you have to delineate from imposter syndrome is because we're literally taught to be people who deal with imposter syndrome we're taught like from childhood you have to be the best you have to be the best in sports you have to be the best in academics you have to be the kindest you have to be the most generous you have to be the you know the the all-rounder is what, what the term they used to use when I was growing up. And it's like, you have to be able to figure out whether the feelings you're feeling is really imposter syndrome or it's that like, you know, Indian auntie in the back of your head telling you you're not doing well enough. So I highly recommend, and this is something I do, when you're having these like thoughts, these self-doubts, just write it down and walk away from it and then come back in a couple of hours and see if that makes sense to you anymore like what you wrote down and if it doesn't it's probably imposter syndrome if it does and you're like oh yeah no this completely makes sense like I do not belong in grad school because I have a low GRE score yeah now that's something you can you can actually fix right but if you got into grad school you're like I don't belong here because the voice in my head is telling me I don't belong here. Yeah, that three hours, that's going to make no sense to you. Also, imposter syndrome kind of comes in phases where when you fail, it's really loud. And when you have those small wins, you basically can't hear the voice anymore. It kind of goes on mute. So to me, when I have a really loud imposter voice in my head, I do something that makes me feel good. Do something that you know is going to help you succeed. Like something small, like clean your room or you know take a shower or do the dishes or do something that is a small win because when you have those small wins it helps mute that voice in your head and you're actually being productive like you're cleaning your house so that's that's a plus (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah that's that's very elaborate so you have been like already bridging my next question <laughs> uh, even before I ask you my next question you have already given the answer to it I was just going to ask you how do we deal with it and what do we do you already covered some of the steps here um, anyway I'm definitely going to ask you that how do we deal with it I'm sure like this is not the only thing you have definitely more tips mm. how do you deal with uh, imposter syndrome once you figure out that you have it yeah, so a um, couple of different things that I've done over the years. Some some things have worked, some things haven't. And like, again, depending on the situation, some things that haven't worked in the past might work 
right? So so you gotta you gotta figure out again what your balance is. But um remember that imposter syndrome is a voice in your head, right? It's it's just you you hear yourself having all of these self-doubts. So the best way to overcome a voice in your head, to me, what made sense was to put a voice in my head. How I did that was recording myself say these really encouraging things. So I remember when I was in my post back here, I would do the stupid thing where I would like record myself saying nice things about myself. And I think, I don't remember if it was a therapist that told me this, if it was one of my friends who was studying psychology. Um, but it was like this exercise where you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I am beautiful. I am smart. I am capable. And you say all these nice things and you feel like a moron, right? Day one, you're like, what What did I just do? That's so stupid. It's never going to work. Day 30, you actually start believing those things that you're saying. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not the ugliest person alive. You know, like you start actually gaining some confidence when you hear those things. Like it's like positively enforced, like reinforcing those things in your brain. Um, so the best thing for me, what I would do is I would record myself even though I hate how I sound on tape um I would record myself saying things like you are smart you got a perfect score in the GRE <laughs> bragging moment um GREs don't matter don't worry about it um you got into grad school you got into your dream program like say those things on tape and when I have those doubts sometimes till date I kind of listen to those recordings and like listen to how stupid I sounded a year ago and go, maybe she did have a point, right? And like sometimes the voice in my head is louder than that. So just keep playing it till that's the only thing you hear. Now that's one way. This reminds me of young Sheldon recording a tape to older Sheldon in Big Bang Theory. That, that is, I think, you know, now that you pointed out, I think that is where I got the idea. I thought it was, you know, I think, yeah, I think that's where I got the idea. But it works. For me, it works. I don't know if it'll work for you. I, 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 this is not like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It works for me. So, you know, how stu- however stupid it sounds, just try it. Like, it's quarantine. You're bored, right? Like, just sit and do something that's productive. Like, five minutes, record yourself, say something nice about yourself. Or if you don't have the guts to say something nice about yourself, it's fine. Have someone who's close to you say something nice and record them. Or have them record something nice about you. Or just like, just hear positive things about yourself, the negative thoughts will go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that you were going to say. Yeah, another thing I was going to say is I used to love journaling. I used to write diaries all the time in high school. Um, I think my mom actually found a couple of them a couple of years ago and was like, what gibberish is this? And like threw it away. Um... But writing stuff down actually helps. So I have something called a win journal um, that I actually started keeping just like start of this year. It was kind of like a New Year's resolution. But every day, no matter what, no matter what happened that day, whether it was a really good day or it was a really bad day, I try to write down anywhere from one to 10 good things that happened. Right now, you don't have to stop at 10. If like 20 different things happened and they were all good, write all of them down. Nope. Like there's no harm in that. But write at least one thing. And no matter how bad your day was, that one thing is going to give you a reason to wake up the next morning and go to work. Because trust me, when you have like extreme depression or extreme anxiety, 
sometimes just finding the energy to get up in the morning, make it out of bed, brush your teeth, and get in your car to drive to work, that in itself is a win, right? Like you got to work, that is a win. And a lot of people don't see those small things. So for me, my boss communicates with us through Slack. Um, and so I take screenshots of the the positive things he tells me. So like anytime he says like, good job, or like puts a thumbs up on one of the things I said, I take screenshots of it and I have a folder on my phone. And so whenever I'm doubting my science or like doubting what I'm doing, I look at those pictures and go, oh yeah, there was a time that, you know, Dave said I was, I knew what I was, I was doing. So probably knows what I'm doing. Like I'm a good scientist based on this one comment he made six months ago about a thing that wasn't related to science, but he said I was a good scientist. So like, that's my way of thinking, but it, it helps, right? When you're feeling down, it helps. Um, I also have a great, great support system. Um, obviously there's you, um, but I have tremendous, this tremendous group of women. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stress women because I feel like women deal with imposter syndrome a lot, you know, more severely than men, just because of how, um, you know, gender biases rig the system against women. So even being in a grad program is an accomplishment for a woman. Um, but I have the greatest group of friends. Um, and I must, must, must give out a shout out to especially Taylor and Sydney. Um, so Taylor inspires me in more than one ways. She is my mentor, my direct mentor in lab. She's also a mom in grad school. I remember the first time I met her, I was crippled with imposter syndrome. But the first time I met her, and I told her this recently, I was like, you were so intimidating. And she was like, well, thanks. She took that like, well, okay. But I was like, no, it was intimidating because I was like, I'm never gonna be able to do that. She had just gotten off of maternity leave and she was standing there in interviews, giving the most awesome presentation and I didn't have the balls to go and talk to her. And she's my mentor now. So we're the closest friends now. But I was like, you know, this, this woman is just a superstar, right? And then once I get to know her, I'm like, she also deals with imposter syndrome. So that made it so much more reliable, uh, relatable to me. Because if someone as awesome as Taylor could have imposter syndrome, then maybe I could deal with it too, right? So you need that support system. And then I have this awesome friend, Sydney, who is a undergrad in our lab. And she just is the most positive, radiant energy I've ever met that sometimes just being around her, I can't be in a bad mood. So find those kind of people and stick with them because sometimes you just need that ray of sunshine, right? So, you know, get a good support system. If you don't have friends that are, you know, supportive or are not able to provide you with the resources, there are a lot of subreddits a ton of subreddits that you can find where people actually give you constructive advice or just give you support. Whatever you do, and if you need to talk to a therapist about it, go do it. Like there's no harm around, you know, there's no stigma around mental health anymore, which is great. But find, find someone to talk to because you're not in this alone. And the more you realize you're not in this alone and the more you talk to people about it, easier it's going to become to deal with it. Those were some like great tips. You seem to answer every question that I try to come up with. 
even before I asked him, uh, which is good. Seems like we just have a few more minutes left before we end this session. Is there any special takeaways that you would like to give people? Yes, you did give some tips, but is there anything else you would like to say? It happens to everyone and you will get through it. That's it. That's literally, yeah. It was short and sweet. That was a wonderful session. So thank you, Joanne. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs>